0: Hey, you guys, and welcome back to News Jour, a calmer space to consume the news. So we have a lot to talk about today. I don't know if you guys saw, but there are basically rumblings of an impeachment inquiry beginning into President Biden. So there is a lot to talk about there, as well as very, very deadly floods in Libya. So like in addition to the earthquake in Morocco, these are countries that are very close to one another as well. But these two disasters were just as deadly as the other one. And then there is a JFK witness who came forward so many years later to basically tell us he lied. (laughs) For, For lack of a better way of saying it here at the top, he basically is saying that he lied and bringing some new information about JFK's assassination to light. Let's jump in. So we're actually going to start with that first story that I just talked about, the JFK witness. So an ex-Secret Service agent who was JFK's Secret Service guy, he was riding in a car behind him in the parade at the time that JFK was shot, and he has now broken his silence and come forward saying he believes there were two shooters on the day of JFK's assassination. Now, in case you're not super familiar with JFK's assassination, there is this theory that the official investigation decided on where some people call it the one bullet theory and some people call it the magic bullet theory kind of in jest because the idea that one bullet could have hit both JFK and the governor of Texas who was sitting in front of him just It seemed kind of crazy. You know, there's ways of explaining it that maybe makes sense if the governor was sitting at, like, a very funny angle. But either way, it seemed a little far-fetched. But that is the, the investigation's official theory. So, long story short, this theory contends that there was only one shooter, only one bullet. And this man, who was... At the scene, he is now claiming that he actually found a bullet behind JFK in the car. And when he saw it, it was stuck in the limousine seat again behind the president after the president had been shot. And basically, he was worried that this bullet might be lost or stolen by somebody who wanted it as like a souvenir from that day. And he placed it on the stretcher next to JFK. So, This kind of throws off the entire series of events. Now, it's important to note that this man's new version of events, basically the idea that he picked up a bullet from a crime scene where a president was shot and killed and placed it on the stretcher next to the president for doctors to... Contend with that is different from his original version that he gave to investigators at the time. So he says that he was very much in shock and that he was really just looking to focus on the first lady and helping the first lady through this experience. So he really wasn't, you know, processing things very well and kind of like glossed over it. But how do you forget something like that? That's kind of major. What's more, this man also has a book coming out on the subject, giving all the details that he can recall from the events of that day. So, that doesn't mean his story isn't true. At the end of the day, the one bullet theory did seem a little far fetched for a lot of people, and at times was leaving more questions than answers. Like, if you guys see the diagram, I know you think like me, you're going to be like, wait. I have so many questions. The idea that one bullet could strike two men in so many different places and ways and like go in such a strange trajectory was really hard to wrap our heads around as a country. So many people actually have always thought there were more than one shooter. And this new testimony might bring to light new information and maybe help the American people get closer to the truth. For our second story today, I do have to issue a content warning. This story involves a very deadly natural disaster. So next, we're going over to Libya to discuss the flooding there. Right now, right on the heels of a horrifying earthquake in Morocco, there have been devastating floods also happening in Libya. But first, let's give a little context to this particular disaster. For those who may not know where Libya is, this country is located in northern Africa, nestled between Algeria, Tunisia, and Egypt, along the Mediterranean Sea. It's also in a similar area to Morocco. The vast majority of the country speaks Arabic, but with a local dialect, but there are other languages spoken in Libya like Berber, Domari, Turkish, and Greek. It's predominantly a desert country, but does have some mountains. However, because it is typically so dry and sandy, that's part of why these rains have been so damaging. The people there experienced extreme heavy rains, and those rains broke two important dams, and the flooding was catastrophic, to say the least. Without these dams holding everything together, the water flooded cities, and as a spokesperson for the country put it, quote, carried entire neighborhoods into the sea, end quote. What's so important to understand here is that this country really has two governments, and that has definitely complicated relief efforts one government that is acknowledged by the international community is in the West, and there's one that isn't recognized by the international community, and that one is in the East. So it has been tough to get accurate information and resources distributed, etc., the official administration out of the West said that about a thousand bodies have been recovered from their part of the country, but that they believe at least two thousand are dead in the east. But five thousand to six thousand are missing in total. Some estimates believe that there are about ten thousand people dead from this storm overall, but we just don't know at this time. And for those who survived, a lot of their homes are completely destroyed. Like I said, a whole neighborhood carried out to see That mental image is not going to leave my brain. There is medical treatment ongoing for those who are injured. Search and rescue efforts are ongoing. Efforts to restore power and clear roads and basically just restore sanity to this entire area. It's going to be a very long road to recovery and we will definitely keep you guys posted on this unfolding tragedy. And just so you guys know, a great place to donate to is the International Red Cross. What they do is jump in when these types of disasters hit. And there are local chapters. I believe that it's the Red Crescent um, in this part of the world as it is largely Islamic. Um, But donating to the international red cross gets funds to any major disasters going on worldwide so it is just a good starting point of course you can try and find local charities but sometimes it can be hard to verify things so that's usually my go-to if you guys want to donate okay and without further ado we'll jump into the president biden impeachment inquiry and why this is happening and what it's all about so this story is actually somewhat complicated, but there's a lot at play here, and we're going to go over it all. What happened yesterday is that House Speaker Kevin McCarthy announced that he would support an impeachment bid. He has been reluctant to do this up until now, or at least kind of ping-ponging on the issue. Like one day he says he supports it, the next day he said no. Um, what changed? What changed? Well, there's a lot of pressure on this man right now, and if you guys remember, he was very eager to become Speaker of the House to the point where it took several attempts to get him the job, and it was one of the, like, lengthiest paths to this position maybe ever. Um, it took a while. His party was not enthused with him as their pick, especially not the far-right members of the House who lean towards Trump ideology. The Republican Party, as we know, is really split right now. So this is just sort of, you know, a symptom of that overall condition. And they were really turning the screws when it comes to McCarthy. And right now, they won't stand for him commiserating with or working with Democrats on anything, really. And they're threatening to kick him out of his long sought after job if he doesn't follow marching orders. And they're not just threatening McCarthy's job when it comes to this issue. They also want to allow for the government to shut down over a lack of consensus on a spending bill. Again, the far-right leaders do not want to work with Democrats, even on something as simple and necessary as a federal budget. And they are willing to let our government just shut down, essentially, to make things as difficult as possible and hopefully get more of their agenda slipped into this legislation. He said to reporters yesterday, quote, I am directing our House committees to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden, end quote. And that was McCarthy, of course. Um, And he's doing this because he knows that he would not have the votes to pass something like this through the House as, you know, most impeachment inquiries go through a vote. Um, But he knows that it would never get passed because Republicans are just not united on this idea. Many of the Republican leadership are not wanting to lead an impeachment inquiry unless there is solid evidence to tie the president to his son's overseas business dealings, because that seems to be the legs they have to stand on when investigating this family. They're looking at Hunter Biden, and so far they haven't found a real connection to President Biden, or at least none that we know of. Of course, Democrats quickly fired back against these moves, releasing a very long memo on the subject. One Democrat, Jamie Raskin, said, quote, instead of working on legislation to promote the common good or even just keep the, de- the government running, House Republicans are weaponizing their offices and exploiting congressional power and resources to promote debunked and outlandish conspiracy theories about President Biden, end quote. We'll definitely keep you guys posted on this. Obviously, this is major and we will definitely let you guys know how this plays out. And that for today is the news du jour. Today, I wanted to leave you guys with the quote. A genuine leader is not a searcher for consensus, but a molder of consensus. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen a rate and review or shout out on social media would mean the world to us and help us be able to keep creating the news du jour. But the best way to support all of our work is to become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash sugar media. You can also follow us on social media under sugarfreemedia.co on Instagram and just sugarfree media all one word on TikTok. Any little noises you may hear in the background are my rescue pup. He has a little separation anxiety and always records with me. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from. Oh.